Hey there, everybody. I'm meteorologist Dave Turley. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast. I am joined, as always, with meteorologist Andrew Gordon, and he is, uh, can we say on location? Are we on location? Is that what we're going to say? We're doing something different this year. I'm a thousand and twenty miles away. I'm in Dallas, Texas, back home here. Thanksgiving coming up tomorrow, and you know, I missed out on the coldest day that we've had of the fall and really the coldest day since February in Savannah. Woke up this morning because I just, you know, forecasted over the weekend for today. We made it a first alert weather day. Wanted to know what the temperature was. Saw we got down to 29. Checked uh, what it was here in uh, Dallas. You know, 55, 56 degrees. So I wasn't (laughs) complaining too much. No, we can't complain with that. No, yeah, that uh, 29 degrees tide, it was our lowest temperature. We've had it two other times. So it's the third time that we've seen a temperature 29 degrees for the year 2021. And uh, it certainly was a frosty, uh, cold morning. Uh, The lowest I saw locally here was Sylvania, which dropped down to 26 degrees. And, um, you know, you don't get really too much colder than that on any given year. Now, of course, you can get some of those spikes where you get a little bit colder. But, you know, that's pretty cold for for down here when you start getting in the mid-20s. Yeah, and, you know, maybe three times a year or whatever, we get those consistent wind chills for a day or two in, you know, the teens. But that's going to be places like Sylvania, you know, where you you have it be a little bit drier because you're away from the coast. And and the wind will just kind of... We're down eat there a right little bit and eat right through you. So it's not something that we're used to, no. but you know, that's crazy that it's tied for the coldest day of the year. And we still have, you know, a little over a month ago. So and you know what, um, break that. I was out both mornings. Of course I walked the dogs early in the morning, about eight o'clock yesterday morning when our temperatures were uh, only into the thirties, we didn't have a freeze here in Savannah, but with that wind, which was gusting up to 20 miles per hour, it was much colder yesterday morning with that wind chill. Uh, it was, yeah. it was feeling like it was into the mid twenties with that wind and you just, it was like freezing this morning. I went out and it was actually, it wasn't bad. You know, you're bundled up, but with no wind, it, it didn't feel as bad as it did yesterday morning. And that's what the wind can do right. for you. And that's why we try to communicate that the feels like temperature, because it can make a difference. Yesterday felt colder, even though it wasn't quite as cold, but today you have the impacts of actually having the freeze, which can you know, really impact those plants and things like that, that local gardeners and other folks really care about. So that's our job to kind of differentiate the two for you guys, both cold mornings, one felt colder, the other was actually colder. And I know for you guys, probably actually feeling like Thanksgiving, I say you guys in Savannah, because we're going to be 74 here in Dallas today, which I'm not complaining about, but we're getting another front out this way. So we're not making it out of the fifties tomorrow. So things change on a dime over here as well. But at least for this morning, you guys are kind of in that Thanksgiving holiday mood and uh, leads us into, you know, some of these averages for Thanksgiving Day. We've had hot days in the past 2020, 83 degrees in Savannah. And that was our warmest Thanksgiving, I think, on record was last year when we hit 83. You know, our average high is right about 67. And we're going to be right about that for tomorrow. We're going to be back in the upper 60s, I think. I think right now we have a forecast high temp Savannah of 68 for Thanksgiving, but tomorrow morning is still going to be cold. Now, I don't anticipate a freeze for the Savannah region tomorrow morning, but inland areas, if you're uh, listening over in Statesboro, Metter, Sylvania, Hampton, you could certainly see another freeze in here tomorrow morning with those temperatures in the low 30s, uh, but it looks yeah. like we'll be more into the mid to upper 30s as we get closer to the coast. So a cold start, but a nice, mild, dry afternoon. 
So, Dave, whenever you were growing up for Thanksgiving, did you guys have, like, a, a plan on Thanksgiving? Did you have, like, that outdoor family football game during halftime of one of these games that's on TV? Or, or what do, do you have? Because I know that some people that like to get outside after eating, it's a good day for it tomorrow for really the whole area uh, around Savannah, Low Country, Coastal Empire. But what did you guys do growing up? You know, it will be a good day for if, if you are doing anything outside, but we did not have any – uh, outdoor um, things that we did every sing every single year. The basically what we did was you'd cook, you eat the the dinner, and dinner was more. It's different. I, I think down here in the south we eat uh, our Thanksgiving, and it's usually closer to noon, one o'clock. Uh, up north, you know, it was it was around dinner time. It was usually more closer yeah. to three, four, five o'clock when you started to have you know Thanksgiving dinner. Your family would come over, and you'd have all the trimmings and stuff like that. But nah, and you watch football. Um, football was always a big thing. We, we watched that on Thanksgiving. Uh, my team never really played the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thanksgiving, but I think your team played, right? You're a Cowboys always. fan. Yeah. You're a we Cowboys fan. Yeah, I am. And, um, what about you? Cowboys what are your, are. what are your rituals? You know, this, believe it or not, Dave, this is the first time I've been home in Texas, um, for Thanksgiving since 2013. So mom and dad real happy to have me home. But when I was growing up here, um, I, I think it was eight years in a row at least, we would go to the Cowboys game. So reason being, um, mom, dad, myself, and my sister kind of secluded down here from our extended family. My dad was in the Air Force, came back here. Um, sister was born. We just kind of planted our roots in, in the Dallas area. So a lot of our families from up north, harder to travel up north whenever you get into these months, as in, you know, Minnesota, Iowa, New York, you yes. know, travel plans with kids. It's can be tricky. Yep. Yeah. So we always would just do our own thing, go to the Cowboys game, and then we would kind of have dinner the next day. But it was so much fun to have that tailgating experience. And these, all of these Cowboys games, I'm talking about Texas Stadium, not the new stadium that, that, They've been playing out since about 2010, but these were fun because you had these wholesome people outside tailgating from the beginning of the day, frying turkeys. Nobody was a stranger. Uh, they're just great memories. And my sister was part of the color guard, like in the, the marching band, people that kind of threw up the rifles and flags and whatnot. And our high school, their color guard team was always selected to perform in the halftime show of the Cowboys Thanksgiving Day game. So that really kind of brought in some good memories for me because we would get to go to the rehearsals on like Tuesday, Wednesday leading up to the game because they would bring in an artist that was kind of hot at the time. Right. And then we get to go see their their little dress rehearsal and go on the field and take pictures and throw the football around. You know, it, it was a different time, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, you kind of had a little bit more uh, free reign over the place. And the Cowboys so were to, good. Right. And when you were growing up yeah, at that time, was that know, the Aikman era? Was that the end of the Aikman era? Or? It was the end of it. So okay. I had, I went through a string of quarterbacks that were not very good. <laughs> uh, Quincy Carter, Vinny Testaverde. We even had Drew Bledsoe for a while. It just, it was not good. Then we got Romo, things turned around. Always like Romo. Oh, yeah. So I, I think Romo. that's one of the reasons that one of the years Terry Underwood came because they were kind of dating. So that gets into a whole different thing. But I got to see Destiny's Child and uh, one of, these singers Kelly was dating one of our safeties, Roy Williams. So I was like, yeah, there's kind of a trend here of who the Cowboys bring in for the halftime show based on who their players are talking to. But also uh, Toby Keith, Cheryl Crow, 
I mean, there's some cool performances that, that I got to see. So that was something growing up that was fun for me. And um, it's, you know, kind of sad. I never grew up like with these big holidays um, with the families, but you know, my family, like we're, we're very tight knit and we're also close with our other family. We just didn't all gather for Thanksgiving specifically. Then you get into TV news and you know that we always have newscasts on holidays, which is fine. It's just part of it. But I would try to pick, you know, we're pretty good as a team of picking art. Right, somebody's working Thanksgiving, then you're off Christmas or New Year's Eve or whatever. So I always right. would try to get off Christmas if possible because my birthday is three days before it. So I would try to, you know, wrangle those days together and go home because I'd rather have that than Christmas. So anyways, long story short, that's um, what we do for Thanksgiving. And um, don't always get to watch it with my dad, but one of our favorite movies to watch together, probably do this tonight, is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It's just a classic not necessarily for kids, but uh, John Candy, hilarious. He died too young. Well, yes, he did. My favorite line from that movie, those aren't pillows. Yep. (laughs) You know, you know. That's the good one. You know, you know, exactly. And when they're driving down the highway and he's, you know, Steve Martin sleeping in the passenger seat and he's playing uh, the mess around with uh, Ray Charles on the radio. And he gets on the highway the wrong direction. It's You're just going the wrong comedy, way. How do they know which way we're going? You know, it's just a comedy of errors. It's great. And uh, it, there's, a, there's a happy ending to the, this movie. It's sweet if you make it to the end of it. And it's just, you know, a classic. And there aren't that many Thanksgiving movies. So that's that's one that we definitely will watch. And um, that's a good one. Leading after that, you know, you get into Black Friday and. That's not really anything I've ever been super interested in. I know really? we'll like we'll make like a, a Black Friday forecast and whatnot for people that go out to the outlets or the malls or whatever around Spain and Hilton Head and, and everywhere. But so much stuff is online these days. I was going to say it never it never was a big thing for me to to go out and go shopping at midnight. I don't think it's as big as it used to be. Black Friday no. was the the place before all this internet stuff. You would wait. People would line up, you know, for sometimes days, depending on what was the big thing coming up that you had to have. And they'd line out uh, in front of those stores and wait for them to open. We, even when we were here, we do live shots on Black Friday in, in the early yeah. 2000s and see people waiting out to get into Best Buy or, you know, the mall or what have you. And uh, I don't I don't know if you, they do that nowadays because you can get everything online. And now Cyber Monday and, and is, is popular and you don't need to wait outside uh, anymore to get that stuff. Not quite the same. There's, I mean, there's people that still do it, but I, like you said, it's not near as popular as it it used to be, which is, you know, if you like it, good for you. You and I, you know, typically I don't have time off this time of the year. So Thursday, obviously Thanksgiving, Black Friday, I'm in bed. Like I can't go out at midnight or whatever. And, go shopping because I'm working that Friday morning show of black Friday. So, you know, just schedule wise, it didn't really work out anyways. Yeah. That's always tough when you have to work, especially on that morning shift, you have to be to bed so you can get up real early. I know it. Yeah. Well, we are, that that kind of wraps up Thanksgiving, right? And I hope you guys have a safe one, but we're not done with the podcast yet because we're going into kind of wrapping up this year's hurricane season because it was, busy it really was busy third most active on record but it's been quiet lately so maybe you haven't thought about it for a while but it still was very active and thankfully Dave, we didn't have a crazy amount of storms 
and even bad storms directly impact us, which is something I'm very grateful for because in the back of our head, we always kind of have like a little bit of anxiety about it throughout, especially oh, every you know, July, <laughs> August, September. Anxiety is an understatement. Yes. Uh, you're always thinking about that. It's in the back of your head, you know, what if, uh, and you never want anything to happen to your area, but you know, somebody's going to get hit. Uh, in, you know, sometime during the hurricane season, whether it's in the United States or, you know, into the Caribbean, Central America, you know, somewhere, somebody is going to have, unfortunately, some type of uh, devastation from a tropical system. And you mentioned uh, the third most active. We went through all the names this year. Exactly. 21 names ended with Wanda. And we were close to getting the uh, using the new uh, list of names, the new list of rotating names from um, the National Hurricane Center, but we did not make it to that list. Thankfully, uh, we ended with Wanda. Yeah, and we're going to be done. You know, the 30th, you flip the calendar here coming up soon, and we won't have uh, much to worry about. But I just wanted to take a few minutes and just go back and give us a review. We don't have to think about it anymore. We get into the holidays, and we're happy. So I wanted to start off with the good stuff there. And now this is going to get a little bit more into the details of if you guys want to listen about, you know, summarizing the hurricane season within a just few, just a few minutes. So we had 21 storms, seven of them were hurricanes, four of them major hurricanes. Of course, not all of those were landfalling. We had eight landfalling in the United States, and that started with Claudette, which was before the season technically started. I think that was May 22nd, somewhere in there. They didn't actually write it down. Um, and that actually brought a little bit of wind into Georgia, but I don't think we had any damage or anything like that. So that's kind of where the season started. That was and, Anna, not, not Claude. Anna was tropical. Oh, Anna. Yeah. Anna. Anna, sorry. Anna. And Anna was the first of the two, you know, frozen names. Cause yes. we had Elson. We had a second. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Anna was the first. Cause you start with a first letter of the alphabet. <laughs> but I think what my, what I was getting with my notes here was that Claudette was the first one that kind of brought us yes. any sort of impact. Yeah, and that was uh, that was the uh, around June twentieth, twenty uh, first, or something like that. I think it was impacting our area, uh, a tropical storm, and it moved right across northern areas of Georgia and brought us uh, some of the impacts across our region, including uh, some tornadoes, uh, I believe, yeah. across the area. And then this was a very busy week and a half or so for us because you had Claudette, and then. On the 28th of June, we had Tropical Storm Danny, and that's one that kind of, you know, was named very fast, was not long-lasting at all, but um, it actually made landfall north of Hilton Head, technically Pritchard's Island, which is about 15 miles southeast of Beaufort, just trying to give you like an exact location of this. Right. But Max Sustain went only 40 miles an hour, um, not a big storm, not a strong storm, but Danny only had tropical storm force wind going out 35 miles from the center that's not anything at all really in regards to how strong these storms could be but that leads into elsa so danny kind of wraps up right when june is done elsa technically forms july 1st out in the atlantic becomes a hurricane on july 2nd and that becomes the first official hurricane of the season near the lesser Antilles. so then it goes a couple of days without landfall. Fifth, Cuba. The seventh, uh, Taylor County, Florida. Um, and that's where one death was recorded, actually near Jacksonville. The landfall was in Taylor County. And one person was killed after a tree fell on. 
uh, a car. Unfortunately, it's, you know, these trees that, that can definitely do some big damage during these windstorms. Uh, this continues to go up the coast and then from Jacksonville cross over the state line with impacts and at least 10 people were injured in the EF1 tornado at the Navy base down there just north of the Georgia and Florida state line. So Elsa was probably our biggest impact here regionally or locally because when it was all said and done, it reportedly had $1.2 billion of damage. Of course, not much of that was here, but we did have local impacts with storm damage in Effingham County and also uh, over in Port Royal. Beaufort County probably got hit the worst, and that was with a tornado that, that formed with it. And that morning, that was just a hectic time anyways. I remember coming in, we work longer shifts on these kind of days. It always feels like we get these impacts at night, Dave. I was, thinking, I was just trying to think, was always, that the one where you and I were working? Did we work that when it was a nighttime? Was it us or was that me? That no, was that, that, that that Jamie I did and that I. One during the morning show. Okay, that, that was, was Jamie one. and I. Yeah, but you and I did work one together. I shifted around to cover that. But Elsa specifically, I took the storm chaser up to Port Royal while Cutter was in the studio covering, you know, the storm leaving the region still had some residual wind behind it. Right. But I got up to Port Royal couldn't even you get over the broad river bridge can't even turn right to get into port royal i had to kind of weasel my way around buford county to even get into where uh the bad damage was and the reason you couldn't even turn is because there were power lines water everywhere so it was kind of a small pocket that looks really bad relatively unscathed for a lot of you know the low country and coastal empire but the, for the people of port royal they're they're going to be remembering this for a while and the kind of the, the headline with this that, that a lot of people remembered was that actually the tornado hit a vet clinic and caused over a million dollars of damage just for them yeah. and went there, you know, confirmed uh, that there were, you know, no pets injured. Only three pets were inside, which is just lucky anyways. Um, I think it was more so during the week. So maybe not a lot of people had had things scheduled for their pets, but it was wild. You know, it looks like. A tornado ripped through the town, and that's exactly what happened. And that's what we try to, you know, stress during these tropical systems is that, you know, don't focus on the category because you can have a tropical depression, tropical storm that spawns off tornadoes that cause millions of dollars of damage. So it's not just that sustained wind we're looking at. It's all of the factors together. And that is really what stuck out with me this season for us locally was probably that morning because it was bad. And, and I talked to the police chief over there in Port Royal and he was just like been here, you know, 20 some odd years and hadn't seen anything like this. And you know, Hugo or, you know, whatever the big storm was up in the low country back in the, you know, before I was yes. ever thought as my dad would say. So, um, that, that was crazy, but then things calm down a little bit. You know, we get another system that, that affects Georgia would be Fred 31 tornadoes spanning from Georgia to Massachusetts. Yep. Most of that just to our death. West. Right. Yeah. That wasn't really a big deal with us, but then this other system uh, kind of closing out our impacts here from storms was Mindy and that wasn't anything too impressive. And, and thankfully that was kind of the last of it, but you never know really with any of those tropical systems. I mean, any one of those landfalling tropical systems can produce a tornado, any type, a tropical depression, a tropical storm, a hurricane. And then that's where you see a lot more of the localized destruction when you have any type of a tornado produced from those tropical systems. And that's exactly what was happening, which you're talking about 
uh, with Elsa as it moved through. Yeah, there are a couple more things I want to talk about. I'm closing, closing this up here in a few minutes. But the biggest storm of the year with the biggest headlines was Ida. And we're transitioning from talking about how tornadoes can impact kind of local areas within a tropical system and make it look really bad for a neighborhood or a mile. Well, Ida was bad for a lot of folks. And this made landfall on the 16-year anniversary of Katrina. This is over in Louisiana. First time that they had back-to-back years of landfall in Category 4 storms. So they had Laura 2020, Ida 2021. This storm was blamed, let's see, I remember specifically, me and Cutter were working when this data came came in. There was a ship that was kind of, you know, I don't know if it was like right in the Gulf there near the mouth of the Mississippi that clocked 172 mile hour gust from Ida. That's crazy. That's Weather bad. Service confirmed it. They use it in their data. But I'm getting to a point here. For Ida, this was a pretty deadly storm. 29 deaths in Louisiana, three in Mississippi. Let's take those, group them together. That was actually... A lot of a lot of those thirty-two deaths for those two states were because of misuse of um, generators. So, you, you know, it's unfortunate that that's what happened. But that's something that we will always stress: keep them outside because you can't have those fumes going inside. Secondly, we talked about the localized bad weather that you can have within these tropical systems. But how about the widespread bad weather? Because not only did this storm impact Louisiana landfalls of Cat 4, it went all the way up to the Northeast with crazy flooding. So there were 55 deaths confirmed across the Northeast, uh, spanning New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, if I counted correctly. Um, so the, the flooding is really what usually causes the long-lasting issues and also the most the, the most deaths so anything weather related flooding is going to be your top cause of death i mean it, it's one of those things that you talk about when you talk about the 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 impacts on the tropical system you know, you run from the water and hide from the wind so if you're anywhere along the coast you're looking at storm surge but a lot of this was not storm surge it was inland flooding Tremendous amounts yep. of rain with that tropical system as it moved slowly and just dumping rain over the same areas. And uh, with the ground just already saturated, um, you know, it doesn't take much uh, for those areas to, to get that flooding. And that's what can happen. Yeah, not at all. A couple more, uh, look, one more thing I really want to talk about because this, this is just cool personally for me. I'm talking about hurricanes. And this isn't something that we stressed a lot on air because it, I mean, it lasted forever, formed September 22nd as a name storm, lasted all the way until October 5th. So it was on our tropical updates during shows, during the morning or evening, no matter who you watch, whether it's me or Cutter or Dave and Jamie. But the cool thing about this storm, a couple things, wave off of Western Africa came pretty close to the Caribbean and the East Coast of the United States, really got pretty close to us. It curved back off to the north there and then ended up making you know, another landfall impact up in like Iceland. So this was just a crazy storm that it really in some way, shape or form was close to, you know, 75% of any area you could expect to be impacted by a, a hurricane with, you know, the Atlantic, the Caribbean, and then the East coast. And then even going back, back up toward Newfoundland, it really just did not touch the Gulf of Mexico. So it was just crazy that so many areas were, you know, just kind of skirted by it. The cool part about Hurricane Sam is that uh, this was the first time that these unmanned gliders 
were used successfully to get into the core of a hurricane. So if you guys are interested in this, I actually did a story with uh, UGA Skidaway because they are one of the big research colleges that deploy these uh, into the hurricanes. So there's a difference here. You've got unmanned gliders. I did this story September 6th. I went back and looked it up. These kind of look like torpedoes. They're yellow torpedoes, and they, they go up and down and bob up and down from the surface. They go all the way down to the uh, base level there and then come back up to the surface. And it's just kind of like this, up and down, up and down, all across wherever they want to control them. These are unmanned gliders. Now, that's what's under the surface. Above them, they call these sail drones. And they look like mini sailboats. They're fluorescent orange. They have um, you know, data collecting uh, devices on them to not get too into it. And also, they are powered by solar power, which is really neat. So they can just run wherever. You try to use these in successions. So think of them kind of like as an airplane above, and then a boat at the surface, well, how they do this is you kind of have that sail drone on the surface, and then you've got the glider that's your submarine. So it's cool that you get a profile not of just the atmosphere on the surface, but also what the ocean is doing underneath, because you can tell a lot about lake heat release and what's going on uh, with that, and if there's upwelling, if that's going to cool the storm. Long story short, they got inside Hurricane Sam, September 30th. There's video that streamed from it, 50-foot waves. You want to see what 50-foot waves look like? Go look up that video. And they also clocked wind at 120 miles an hour. So that's cool because you actually now have successfully gotten a data collection device within a hurricane because you're not going to do that with the boat because you don't want to put anybody's lives in danger. The hurricane hunters are great, but they either are flying at 45,000 feet or, you know, they can fly about 5,000 feet, but you're putting a drop sign into the storm and you're getting data every, you know, handful of feet. This is just right in there. And this isn't data that, you know, was ingested into models and is used for, you know, talking about intensities and whatnot, but it is a step in the right direction of us, specifically a problem that I think we could all do better at it fixing people smarter than us, Dave, yes. would be intensity going up closer to the coast because that always seems to happen. These storms just like rapidly intensify and maybe, you know, having another tool like this out there will help us gauge that so we can communicate that message even, you know, four hours earlier, six hours earlier. It's kind of cool. And, you know, no one's going to get hurt because they are unmanned uh, devices. So that was just fun because I got, I got to talk to them and it's a little cool piece of weather history that comes right out of uh, the Savannah area. So Skidaway Island, kind of neat. Yeah, you're kind of in the ground floor of, of kind of the history making here in the meteorological world of, of getting that new, better data to put into the models eventually so we get a better forecast and, and help uh, hopefully get more um, longer alerts there to save people's lives and keep people and families safe for the future. And just speaking for maybe like 30 more seconds of like some actual meteorology of why it's been quiet. We kind of started with that, is that it's been quiet lately. Come October, November, pretty chill as well. Really, you had your two biggest contributing factors going against uh, storm formation that have just been settled in here, dry air and wind shear. You had um, colder air going into the eastern United States with a deeper jet stream. What that means is kind of like an air boundary in the middle level of the atmosphere that's just cutting off a path that would lead storms to come into our area. So there's still storms that are forming, just couldn't really come toward us. And wind shear is going to tear apart a storm. You need a little bit. You can't have too much. With the jet stream dug deeper, you're going to have too much. And you've got drier air that's kind of trapped down there as well. Drier air is going to impede 
cloud formation and intensity of a storm. So long story short, we had, uh, you know, we have the jet stream digging deeper and kind of staying put to think for our calmer last, you know, ending of this hurricane season. And that's all my notes, Dave. So I know I'm keeping you from lunch. So oh, you're fine. I, I don't think anybody's going to complain about uh, that weather pattern that we were in. And hopefully it, it stays. Uh, nobody's going to say, oh, man, I wish we had more tropical systems out there and curses this weather pattern. So we're all, we're all yeah, happy uh, about that. And hopefully it stays. Me. Yeah. So uh, hurricane season 2021 in the rearview mirror. I hope things look good going forward, Dave, not just for the weather, but for your family and have a safe, you know, happy rest of the year. I'm talking like I'm not going to see you again. I'm going to be back. Yeah, you'll be back. We'll we'll be talking about this when we talk about Christmas and all that stuff too. So, oh yeah, some good stuff coming up. Well, you enjoy the rest of your vacation out there. Say hi to the family over in Texas. We'll hold down the floor here in Savannah. And that'll do it for another edition of the WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast. Have yourself a great Thanksgiving, everybody.